Behold! The sword of power. Excalibur. Welcome to the Oh Gosh, Oh Golly, Oh Wow podcast, the podcast where we talk about the Marvel comic series Excalibur and nothing but Excalibur every week for 126 plus weeks. This week in Excalibur 120 current events, we're sparing barely a parting glance for Pete Wisdom as he self-destructively departs the team and Kitty Pride's life to become a fishing boat captain, I can only assume, and maybe later a vampire slayer, but I'll have to wait a spell for that. Excalibur number 120 was originally published in May 1998, and the creative team is Ben Robb on writing, Mel Ruby on pencil. Scott Koblish on inks, Kevin Tinsley on colors, Richard Starkings and Kip Scholl on letters, and Frank Peteries and Jason White on editing. Welcome to Love Connection, where old-fashioned romance meets modern-day technology, where you hear all the intimate details of a first date. Sometimes our dates have a happy ending. And some other times... There's just an ending. But it's always unpredictable when two strangers meet, trying to make that love connection. Welcome to our final quintet, not quinjet of episodes. I am, of course, Dr. Anna Papard, Kurt Wagner's unofficial PR manager, and maybe Jen Walters' official one. Very soon, I got a new contract for a book about She-Hulk this week, and I'm riding high on the thrill of that before I actually have to start working on it and it gets like <laughs> yeah for now for now that's definitely happening um relevant to my interest in both Mr. Wagner and Ms. Walters I like talking about sexy gendery stuff in comics and pop culture and I am joined as always by Mav are you willing to spare Pete a parting glance this week I, I, I guess I mean I, I'm so tired <laughs> I guess yeah. I should point out that as we record it is finals week and mm-hmm. I have a colleague, um, my colleague Mark Best points out, he's pointed out this out several times that I don't really have a job. Yes, the university pays me, but for the most part, I get paid to talk to you know, 20-somethings about comic books and, you know, video games and movies. It's like, basically, I have a hobby that someone has decided to pay me money for, Mm -hmm. except for two horrible weeks a year, which are called finals time, where all of the grading happens at once. So Mark will always say, like, we teach for free. Grading is what we get paid for. So, like, that 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 is my colleague's argument. But, like, even doing that from week to week, not so bad. Finals week, where you have, you know, I don't know, know some hundred students and each of them has a paper so you're just reading a hundred you know 
papers that are some of them are good some of them are not but it's just it's a lot and like if you've gone to college and as much as you hate you know writing the five papers for your class like <laughs> I, i've got a hundred grades hundreds of them yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's and it's really a lot and and so you know like when pete wisdom's problems are yeah but my my teenage girlfriend like thought about another boy whatever dude like, <laughs> like <laughs> how about you when you have hundred essays to grade, Pete? <laughs> Fine, you know what, what? Whatever. But hi, my my name's Christopher Maverick. You can call me Mav. Uh, I co-host this show, another show. Like as I said, I'm a teacher. Um, you know, I have a book contract too. My my my. Uh, I don't know if I've pointed out that um, submissions ended for the book that i'm editing so so now i'm literally in addition to reading a hundred essays about you know visual analysis or uh or narrative analysis of random things i am also reading like 50 abstracts or or 60 of about like not batman and i'm trying to like narrow them down to like 12 (laughs) you know maybe maybe 18 somewhere in there it's it's been it's been fun it's a fun problem to have but oh my god is it exhausting i've been there i know yeah i know you have (laughs) (laughs) i'm glad you got so many good ones though that's gonna be so awesome i can't wait Uh, i will benefit from your hard work eventually (laughs) yeah yeah it's great for everybody else um yeah (laughs) no i'm i'm it's it is a good problem to have let's put it that way it's not you know i'm not mad about it it's just like a oh yeah that's a good idea that's a good idea too that one too and then i go Mm -hmm. oh well that's four no there's 46 more (laughs) or whatever i don't know there's there's a lot so you know can't wait all right andrew are you eager to bid mr wisdom bon voyage i i think i am yeah i mean i i've been vocal about not really liking the character but i do really respect the creative impulse that he brought to the book and the ways in which he kind of like pushed the team in new directions and very especially as we've talked about the way he advanced kitty pride as a character a character who had been stagnant in my eyes for for a really long time i I always kind of think of Wisdom as more of a solo protagonist or like the sort of sketchy, shady ally of another character. Um, But I'm finding reading this issue that I I leave with a respect for Pete Wisdom. uh, And I think he gets a pretty good send off here. Really? Okay. Yeah, I kind of like it, actually. Huh. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) We'll talk about it. I'll spend his last issue being the defender of Pete Wisdom. That's okay. Wow. All right. <laughs> I was I was not anticipating that. Me neither. I, I've, but I'm willing to entertain that notion. We will have a discussion about it. <laughs> All right. Interest, intrigue already. I can't wait. All right. Um, we usually have a guest in this little section, but this week we don't because we're doing something a little bit different this week. In addition to our usually scintillating commentary, we've solicited some very real letters from our devoted listeners, <laughs> which we'll be reading and discussing throughout the podcast. We're also going to be taking some listener calls to break up the deluge of our dulcet tones and in honor of the highly anticipated climax of the torrid affair between Kitty Pride and Pete Wisdom, all the letters and calls will be about romance. That's right this is gosh golly wow love connection edition 
<laughs> we will get to those letters and listener calls in a little bit, but in lieu of getting to know our guests this week, I thought we would spend a little bit of time thematically getting to know each other a little bit better. And I am going to ask both of you the very important question, not about when you fell in love with funny books, but about when you met your significant other, the when, how, why. And yes, I don't think I've ever heard that story from either of you. So let's get a little personal. Let's do it. And I'm coming to you first, Andrew. I don't know the story of how you met your lovely wife so please enlighten me i'm all ears i love hearing these stories um i, I stole her job essentially we <laughs> great start great start wow yeah, we, we, we both applied for a museum internship um, for the summer when I was a grad student and she was at Teachers College and it was she's a history major at the time. And like she was imminently more qualified for this archivist job, but it was a government funded position, which meant that like what they said the job was wasn't really what the job was. So when it came down to the two of us, they just wanted the largish man who could move stuff around. <laughs> Oh as opposed God. to actually doing archival stuff. Oh. Uh, so she was really mad at me for like two weeks and I didn't know why. Uh, and later told me it was because I got the job that, that she should have gotten rightfully. And yes, she absolutely should have gotten that job. Uh, and well, then she should have gotten a job or that job because it sounds like that, oh, that job, job. Was... She got okay. a secondary job, yeah. Because uh, um, that job, they sound like it sounds like they were just lying. They they wanted you to be a dumb ox then. Like you were literally yeah. a beast of yeah. burden not doing a any actual archival research that she would have been far more qualified for yeah that's exactly correct okay, yeah gotcha. uh, and, uh, and, and then we we kind of went from there well <laughs> I feel like you're leaving out some details, but I appreciate that this is an enemies to lovers story, Andrew. Yeah, exactly. That, that's all it was. It was just a cliche. It was in a museum, which is not super exciting. Oh my God. Now we have two beautiful children. <laughs> yeah, everything's kind of skippy. Stole your job. Yeah, you want to have, have a couple of kids? Sure. <laughs> Probably still has a grudge about that, but that's okay. <laughs> God, I love it. I'm going to ask her about that the next time I see her. <laughs> You're up, Mav. Um, how um, did you and Steph meet? I don't know this story either. I, I mean, I didn't steal her job or anything like that. It wasn't. But, um, <laughs> I I went to college with Steph's sister. Steph's younger sister mm. and I went to Carnegie Mellon at the same time. And right after I graduated, uh, another friend, a, a, like a not Steph's sister, but a mutual friend of ours, um, my friend Mike. They just had a party in the summer. It, you know, it was just it was probably it's probably like a Fourth of July party or something. I don't know. Was it some at some point they had a summer party and I went there and Dana, who's my sister-in-law now, but my friend Dana had brought her sister along to the party because I guess Steph just didn't have anything to do that day. Or I think they were supposed to go some. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, they were supposed to go somewhere. They had like a family thing that they were going to do, but the family thing got canceled. And they didn't know why. It later turned out that their their sister-in-law, their brother's wife, was pregnant and hadn't told anybody yet, but she wasn't feeling up to it. So they canceled their family thing. And um, instead, my sister-in-law, Dana, came to this party that a bunch of my friends were at. And since Steph didn't have anything to do because her their family thing had been canceled, she brought her sister along. And we got to know each other there just sort of on a friendly level. She was she was cute and everything. But it turns <laughs> out that, um, well, but I mean, like we didn't date or anything. Like she was literally mm -hmm. just, she was, she, I met her at this party 
And it turned out that she, and this is not an exaggeration, lived a block away from me. Steph's apartment was a block from the house that I was renting at the time. So that was, that party I think was in July-ish somewhere. Later, like um, when I had a Halloween party that year, which was, you know, uh, you know, obviously a few months later, um, I had a, I had a Halloween party and I invited Stephanie to that party and we talked a bunch at my party and like I would say she asked me out she claims that she was looking at my movie collection and just wanted to see the movie so she invited herself (laughs) over that's how she, she uh, um so our first our first date was we had dinner and then we went out to dinner and then we hung out in my living room and watched the movie i still know what you did last summer because um oh stephanie God. likes the um she likes the scream movies and she'd seen the first i the the i know what you did last summer movie but she hadn't seen the sequel so she wanted to see the sequel because she i guess she thought the first one was okay but not as good not as good as scream which she loved so she invited herself to um, watch. And she says it has nothing to do with me and how hot, how insanely hot I am. Um, but she just wanted to see the movie. That, that's, that's how she tells the story. I know that, you know, it was just, I mean, no one just wants to see that movie. It was clearly an excuse to get her hands on all of this, you know, as it were. Oh I love the idea that that's your competition. Like it's you that's in right. that movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's not like another guy. It's like you in that movie. No, no, no. There was um, but that's but yeah, that's how that's how we started dating. Um, she came over. Uh, like I, I asked her. You know, she said she hadn't seen the movie. I was like, oh, well, you can come watch it. And she's like, I would like that. And, and so, Aww. so our first our first date, um, like our first date is November second. You know, literally two days after Halloween, which is also our wedding anniversary. I mean, not the same November second. It was considerably yeah, yeah. later. <laughs> <laughs> A whirlwind romance. <laughs> yes. We did not get married on the first date. No. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I hate going last because, I mean, we sort of met through this world. But um, the thing that I love and hate, because it is funny, but I also really hate it, that technically the reason Adam and I met was because I volunteered to review what later became one of my most hated comics of all time. Because it was the, like, I signed <sighs> up to review Way of X at Comics XM, which oh, is the reason yeah. I met Adam and the reason I met everybody over there and then we were hanging out at kind of like weekly kind of zoom things over at comics xf like well the pandemic was still you know i mean not that it's not still going on but you know when more stuff was locked mm-hmm. down and everybody was bored and lonely and so i kind of got to know him through that and then you know asked him out at some point almost a year ago now but yeah i don't know i have to live with the fact that that comic book which i hate so much is technically what brought us together and and it pains <laughs> me it pains me it's... for that to be the case it's better than I still know what you did last summer or than literally taking no. his job. <laughs> I don't even know if saying. I can go that far. I, it's, it's a pain in my heart, but uh, I don't know. The funniest thing, though, is just like because it's this it's this self-reflexive podcasting world thing. The fact that we kind of met and interacted a lot through podcasting, though, too, because he was on our show almost mm-hmm. a year before I asked him out. And then I was on his show like a few months before I asked him out. And so I have these recordings of like us together and like particularly the one I did a Battle of the Atom about Nightcrawler and I have subsequently listened back to it because I was just like interested and I do feel like I'm flirting with him on that podcast. I do feel like I was trying to get a rise out of him on a few occasions and he was relentlessly professional, which I found frustrating. 
between mm, very like clearly between the trunk scene and the fact that in the last panel spider-man's like hey you want to come and finish catching the bad guy and kurt's like i'd rather go have sex with my girlfriend bye <laughs> which is <laughs> well, you amazing s- you say that but at the same time all right so the the trunk scene that you're talking about uh, is that Nightcrawler is putting uh, Amanda's suitcase into her trunk and says, want to make beautiful music together. But at the very same time, he allows himself to go get completely distracted by uh, Arcade 747. Like Adam, Adam, I think she's talking about the part where they both get thrown into a trunk and he talks about doing some things with his tail. <laughs> yeah there's there are multiple says, scenes in the, yes yeah. and she says watch where okay mm-hmm. uh, but <laughs> <laughs> anyway that's that's adam for you he's the best I, it is gonna be a, a story that's unexplainable to other people i have had to explain it to like border officials and stuff because sometimes just to get you to answer questions they'll like ask how you met and it is a stumper it's been a stumper for both of us yeah, 2023, yeah, you can't just say, we met on a podcast? I mean, that's like, that seems pretty normal, actually, I would think. I You'd think, but I just feel like it leads to more questions. And like, when I did say that answer to this one woman, it did lead to like a longer conversation that I would have wanted. And she concluded the conversation with, well, hope it works out, and then handed my passport back. <laughs> I was like, damn, <laughs> I didn't need that slander today. That's cool. Thank you so much, border officials. If she was like, one of those huh <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway let's get to some of those listener letters that i promised but before we do that we have to talk about this freaking comic book that we're technically here to discuss today so as usual we will do our customary issue summary i know we've got lots of lovely listeners reading along with the pod thank you so much again for the very real requests for romantic advice that you sent us this week we will be getting to them with all of our romantic expertise that was clearly established in that opening segment as a token of our affection here's a plot summary of this week's issue excalibur number 120 opens with Douglock typing which seems redundant for a techno organic shapeshifter whose whole body is interface ports but no matter Douglock's thought balloons inform us that he's plotting to rescue rain from the quarantine chamber she locked herself inside with moira five issues ago in the midst of this he suddenly remembers perhaps along with the writer that he has the secret to curing the legacy virus stored in his mind from that long ago techno organic bro down with zero meanwhile megan finds colossus pondering an easel and asks if he's lost his muse in the wake of their recent tete-a-tete regarding dead trees abusing emotions. In the course of the convo, Megan accuses Piotr of not being there for her when she needed him most, and Piotr, ever our protagonist, continues to get all the brooding thought bubbles. Elsewhere, Kurt, sporting a familiar <laughs> costume we haven't seen in a while, contemplates Excalibur's current relationship to the X-Men and lingering feelings of impotence following his nightmare-induced nightmares about his inability to save Professor Xavier from the Zero Tolerance event. While noting that the X-Men's high-tech comm system is down, he decides to do things the old-fashioned way and picks up a phone. Unfortunately, the person on the other end of the phone is Marrow, and the conversation ends with her snapping off a piece of her skeleton in order to impale the phone. From here, we mosey on over to the final goodbye between Kitty Pride and Pete Wisdom. Kitty tries to get him to talk. Pete's thought bubbles assure us that he knows he should, but he doesn't, except to prefer the accusation, I thought you loved me. From this romantic mishap, we move to another one. As Doug Lock succeeds in opening the locked door to Moira's lab, he expects Rain to thank him, but is instead met with understanding anger as Rain excoriates what she calls Doug Locke's stupid crush on her. Finally, Kurt 
is contacted by Israeli superhero Sabra about a super threat menacing her nation. More on that next week. And Pete meets Megan on the dock. Megan tells Pete he shouldn't be so scared of his own emotions and be more like a lady waiting on the dock every day just in case the fiancé that never writes her calls randomly picks that particular day to return. We end on the aforementioned parting glance between Kitty inside Mirror Island while Pete Wisdom departs on a trawler. Aww. So we'll get to your letters in just a moment, but first, first impressions. Come to you first, Mav. What was your reaction to rereading this issue on this occasion? I hadn't reread this since the beginning. I remembered there being a lot more breakup here. I guess I just Me filled too. in the gaps in my head. I thought then... that that was what the issue was about, and yet not really. No, not really. And I mean, I'm really looking forward to Andrews because he like I didn't love this, but I didn't hate it. I just like. So it, it felt sort of bland. I was just like, oh, I there's no story here. Like the the interesting thing is, you know, I guess supposed to be what happens between Rain and Douglock, but also no, I mean, uh, she's right. Like <laughs> not not that she yeah, like there's like it's not debatable. He was just deplorably wrong here. Not that she, you know, her being in there was wrong in the first place, but he it was selfish and wrong. So yeah, I'm I'm with you there, dude. And like <laughs> not I mean not, not I mean I'm with her, right? So so then that leaves the kitty story with Pete and I'm just like, all right, well that happened happened and then i ended up with the megan story with piotr and i'm just like oh is 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 this still going on (laughs) okay (laughs) um so so there was a lot of me going like it's like it's not like there was anything offensive this is not a this is not a prometheum exchange right this is just a oh there were technically 22 pages of sequential art here i I guess we'll call it a comic book but there was just nothing for me we're treading water a little bit before the conclusion hence us trying to come up with gimmicks to keep it interesting but um well i mean andrew we're all waiting with bated breath for your enthusiastic reaction to this issue so i mean hit me with it i mean what what struck you as as good about the portrayal of pete wisdom here because i'm earnestly curious i mean i like the yeah, fact that he's yeah, wearing uh, a, a stylish henley like i was really hung up on that i was no. like we've never seen him wear anything other than his traditional button-down shirt and this is the only time i've seen him drawn in anything other than that and i was like why was this choice made i want to know more is it random is <laughs> Is it significant? I don't know, but it was it was probably the thing that interested me. And the you most. never will. No, I'll never know. But Andrew, yeah, I mean, what did you like about this one? So for, first caveat, I did not like any single moment in the Doug Lock rain sequence. Yeah. Um that that that's a horrible mess. <laughs> so not defending that in the slightest. Um, I do like the Megan and Peter scene because I think the relationship mechanics in it are actually more mature than we've seen previously in their relationship. The idea sure. of the levels of misunderstanding aren't sort of the simple baseline Shakespearean ones that you would get from like, um, I don't know, uh, Midsummer Night's Dream kind of thing. It, it, it's, it's a little bit more mature, a little bit more nuanced. I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying it, it's, it's reflective of real life relationships, but it's definitely a step forward in my eyes. I, I liked it. I don't know what its point is or where it's That's going. With it. Yeah, but, but I, I think the fundamental like like stances of each character is interesting um so i I like that i like the tone that it kind of set and then then with the pete wisdom thing i like that it inverts things on kitty with regards to her previous relationship with peter puts her in the position of being the one who was in the wrong um Mm -hmm. i like that pete wisdom lacks the emotional maturity to actually engage with his feelings and just has to leave self-hating himself that to me is consistent with his character and, and actually makes a lot of sense um and i like um the fundamental accountability that, that uh, you know this this person who's never been able to to really love someone 
says, you said you loved me. Like, like, like that got through. That meant something to him, maybe more than it did to her. Mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting. Uh, and then lastly, I, I really like the um, the Pete Wisdom John Constantine. Um, sorry, Diet John Constantine. Uh, no, um, no, dynamic. no. <laughs> it's the John Con- that, That's true. Keep going, please. <laughs> the dynamic of that character who's got like all these girlfriends in every town who hate him and punch him in the face when they first see him. I like that we saw that relationship for like the first time for that archetype of a character, right? We actually got to see it fall apart and see the extent to which he formed these relationships, but still might have bad blood between him and his ex. Like there's, there's things here that I just think are interesting um, compared to the usual romantic standards by which that kid Pete Wisdom relationship were initially at least built upon with this sort of archetypal shtick. So I don't know, as I said, I, I think there was some innovation here. Uh, and, and to me, that was interesting. Yeah, we'll get into it a little bit more. I mean, I want to get to some of these letters, which uh, might help us get into it a little bit more. But I just, I don't know, I just feel like the dynamics between Kitty and Pete weren't earned. I wish I could I have thoughts on it more. when we get when we get to it too. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I, let, Let's hold off because we want to do, yeah. I mean, well, you have letter number one first, I, I suppose, which is not these characters. I don't know how you know what the letters are going to be in advance, but this is hell. It's about time we got to our very first very real letter from a very real listener. We will also be opening up our very real phone lines for follow-up calls. That number, as always, is 666-GGW-LOVE. That's 666-449-5083. Our operators are standing by to take your call. Our first letter reads, Dear Gosh Golly Wow, I am a 25-year-old man in search of a love that lasts. Alas, I'm afraid I must admit to being historically unlucky in love. Well, love never ceases to find me, even in the unlikeliest ways and places my romances tend to be star-crossed, burning brightly before being stuffed out by the whims of fate. My lengthiest love involves a woman I call my sister. I know how that sounds, so let me assure you I am adopted and we were raised in a communal setting in which I called many neighbors and fellow misfits my family. I use the word misfit quite intentionally for I am afflicted with a genetic condition that has resulted in some unusual physical features. Some people, including my romantic partners, find these features compelling. Oh, that's nice. Others find them off-putting, which doesn't concern me, except on those occasions when their bigotry becomes violent. I am telling you this because it informs the story of this first and longest love who has always seen me for me. Our love was seldom exclusive, though we occasionally spoke in a joking fashion about making it more so, yet our relationship was also marred by mistrust. She often kept important truths from me, and while she always had her reasons, her deceptions weighed heavily on my heart. Eventually, we were separated by family matters, which continue to vex us both. And between this on-again, off-again affair, I've experienced several dalliances, some fruitful, some unrequited all of them likely misguided. I sometimes lose my head when faced with a pretty face, particularly if the woman in question has an air of mystery or danger about her, or a touch of vulnerability that arouses my chivalric heart. There was also another big love that I dearly hoped would last, though she was from another world with social customs quite foreign from my own. She shared my heart's lust for adventure and justice, but she too fell victim to caprices of fate, in her case, unresolved legal issues from her homeland that required ongoing restitution. Uh, My question for you is this, finally. How may I I maintain my faith in love in the face of all this misfortune or is it truly misfortune perhaps in my pursuit of love i am blinding myself to conflicts that should be clearer from the start should i continue my quest for a princess or shall i take a page from the book of sleeping beauty and more patiently await love's embrace yours in passion and pining a prince in search of his tail wow a lot of drama there very purple prose yes <laughs> very 
very i mean my goodness my possibly goodness. blue but i i don't even know what the appropriate adjective there is i've got some thoughts that spring immediately to mind but it looks like we've got a caller on the line we've got Artie from the shore what's your take on our princess pining Artie? what's up gosh golly this is Artie, longtime listener first time caller wanted to talk about that last dude story about hooking up with his sister and then an alien so like Was that for real? I mean, he said it wasn't his sister and like, hey, to each their own, right? But maybe a no and like, don't. And like, when he said another world with that other chick, like, was she from Canada or something? I had a bud who told us he had a Canadian girlfriend. He even had a picture in his wallet and everything. And as if, like, yeah, sure, dude. Sounded totally made up. But like, even if it wasn't, it's called a green card, dude. Look it up. Like, this dude is all, shall I quest for a princess? And bro, maybe you should just like have one normal date first? Couple of recommendations from the art man. Number one, no more dating in the family tree. Look yonder, young man. Your backyard isn't match.com. <laughs> Number two, don't look too yonder. Outer space is out of sight, but it's not where you want to find a lady friend. You got me? I don't know. Maybe he's into like green ladies with tentacles or something. But Earth is totally rad too. And there's all kinds of chicks with like piercings and tattoos and stuff. And they're everywhere. And that's the, like, big thing I want to say is, like, chill out, man. You sound like some Julia Roberts rom-com or something. You want to meet chicks, you got to, like, get out of the house. Put down that remote control and, like, go catch some rays. You never know where love is going to get you. But it is not going to be sitting at home staring at your siblings. All right, that's all I got. Thanks for taking my call. Keep on keeping on, dudes. Artie out. Wow, that was some um, very cogent advice from our caller. Thank you so much for that. I just so unprofessional of me, but that guy is not my type at all. But I don't know. There was just something about that voice. Um, anyway, uh, thank you so much again for that. I got myself thinking about how much that letter had in common with some of the challenges being faced by my very unofficial client, Kurt Wagner. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. like, you know, Kurt's been on this journey to ostensibly find like a long term love. And I feel like there's this disagreement within Nightcrawler fandom about like, is he looking for that? Or is he like this character that just kind of is more of this Casanova type who's like sort of like jumping from bed to bed there's also speculation that you know it's bad for storytelling for characters to have kind of long-term relationships and with a character like Mm -hmm. Nightcrawler who's kind of associated with sex farce in a lot of stories you know that's sort of a killer for a character like that you need to have a character like that kind of available and single and playful and yeah I don't know I as someone who knows a lot about the character I get pulled in a lot of different ways on that but I was thinking in relation to this particular issue you know Kurt reverting back to the old costume and what this kind of means for the character moving forward and like I mean I don't know like we're gonna have all of these characters spoiler uh maybe returning to the X-Men not too long from now Mm -hmm. and various things happening to them in that context but I don't know I mean what do we want to see for a character like Kurt like would either of you want to see him sort of in a long-term relationship do you like him more in that sex farce context I mean what do you think I think he 
you got to kind of shift him out of that comfort zone a little bit, even if just to bring him back to it. You know what I mean? If he's always the, um, as you said, sort of swashbuckling Lothario, that gets old real fast. Whereas if you give him a long-term relationship for a bit and you explore his sexuality from that perspective, you can either lock into that or you can go back to the Lothario thing with a little bit of perspective on it. That that, that makes yeah. it kind of interesting and dynamic. So I, I, I like the way that Kurt's relationship with Amanda kind of gives us this alternate view uh, of who he is romantically and sexually. And in terms of which one I want them to land on, I, I think I'm going to like say the easy answer and you know permanent oscillating. Um, yes. Go back and forth, explore it differently with each new writer or each new art. Um, let Kurt be whoever you, you, you feel he should be in that moment. He is a literally flexible character and I think that might work yeah. best for him. But yeah, I don't know. Mav, Mav what do you think? Because I think it might be helpful to our letter writer as well. I Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the letter writer, sure. Um, <laughs> I think the Kurt comparison that you made where you talked you talked about two things. You talked about his his relationships, which is very similar to what the letter writer went through. But you also very briefly mentioned the spoiler that these characters are going back to the X-Men soon. This is the first mm. issue of this book. And I don't we don't know behind the scenes. Right. But we've talked about this a little bit on the previous couple of episodes. This is the first one where I felt like Rob the author uh rob not not any of the characters the author knows that it's ending this really felt like he knew oh i got five books after this and then yeah. i'm done oh yeah it, it, they there they were just there, like just fyi yeah. they acknowledge in the in the letter page of this issue as well yeah, yeah there's a no chairs yeah there's a very definite hey i miss the x-men i miss my old costume you know isn't it weird that that nobody even acknowledges that we're over here. There's there's a little, there's a lot of that going on. And that made me feel like they're just trying to just reset the table. We just gotta, it's it's also probably why wisdom's going away, right? Like you just, we need to get these characters back to a place that we can slot them back into Grey Malkin Lane, right? That's unfortunate because what I like about where Kurt is in Excalibur at this point, you know, up until a couple of issues ago, and what I think the letter writer is going through here and even a little bit what um, what Artie says. I like the unsureness for Nightcrawler. Um, I have a slightly different take on the character than Anna does. I've always liked that Kurt wants to be a devout Catholic and that he's bad at it. Specifically, the fact that he's bad at it is what really endears me to the character because I think I talked about this on, on Simply Amazing. Of all of Kurt's loves, my favorite relationship of his is and always will be the one with Amanda because he can't let go of it and everything about it like sort of rejects what he wants his devout Christianness to be, right? He is in a polyamorous relationship with uh, which which is pseudo incestuous with his gypsy slash Romani slash winding way sister. It is literally the opposite of being a good Catholic boy, yet he loves her too much to not be that. And if you study polyamorous people, the road to non-monogamy is often not easy. There's a lot of self-loathing and self and rejection of people who are raised in raised to be, you know, heteronormative and Christian and mononormative to suddenly be faced with this this weird queerness that isn't even as simple as just being gay, right? <laughs> like there there is so much weirdness to it and the fact that he has no idea how to deal with it and oscillates between, oh, okay, 
I'm going to be this wild and crazy player. And then, no, 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 I'm going to try to make a go of it with whoever currently, like in current books, it's Silver Sable, I guess. You know, <laughs> it doesn't, it, I like that he can't figure it out. That's what makes me, makes him interesting. So as opposed to other characters, like I hate that Marvel won't allow Spider-Man to be happy because to me, Peter Parker is a more interesting character when he's dealing with middle-aged marital problems than he is when he's trying to be, you know, just trying to find a date. For me, Nightcrawler is a more interesting character when he is trying to negotiate a love life that that he intellectually wants to reject himself, even if emotionally he can't. See, the the thing that I run into that's a problem with that interpretation is because you're like, well, like, it's somebody that's, like, dealing with how to be queer. And I'm like, yeah, but he was, like, raised in a queer environment. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah. I get that. So and, I'm, and I'm not saying... I don't know if I see that yeah. as a conflict for him. Well, but I... I mean, yes, I get that. But also, that's not rare either. I, I once got into an argument with a person who... On, on the internet, I don't know their... I don't know them, so it's a random person on the internet. You can probably find it. I got into an argument with a random person in the, on the internet. They were raised with... And they were under the belief that they're like, well, our people invented polyamory. Not true. But they that's this is what the person said. And therefore, because I was raised in this environment, I've come to know that it's wrong. And now that I've accepted Jesus Christ, blah, 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 blah. Like they've found Christianity and therefore are rejecting their upbringing in this, you know, this newly devout way. Uh, this is an argument on Slate, like in comments on Slate about a person who was talking about their non-monogamous relationship. And this person who wrote in just wanted to complain that everyone was a filthy sinner. And she knew because she was raised in a you know she was raised in a non-christian non-monogamous environment and now has rejected that and i was just like well that's that's very sad but there's lots of people who do that and what i like about kurt is that like he doesn't want to do that but he also wants the weird you know he wants the salvation and can't find it like i like him being confused and so the confusion that i see in the letter here i guess is i don't know that it's good it's unhealthy i mean what i'm what i'm basically advocating for is for a character who is unhealthy and will never be happy because he can't accept him true his true self that he really should be able to (laughs) i I agree with that part of it i just i'm not sure if i think that he thinks his salvation is like a trad wife (laughs) like that doesn't i I think I think, never I think he thinks that on Tuesdays. Marry him and like right. fifty years of right. comics, so it doesn't really. Strike well, that's me my as... that's my thing. I think he thinks that on Tuesdays. I think he oscillates, and that's kind of like mm-hmm. not. I wouldn't go so far as the trad wife. Like he's not, you know, he's not there. He's not the person I was arguing with on the internet. I'm just saying I like the indecision <laughs> that, that comes of it. Is what I'm what I'm really getting at. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you on the like indecision between like, do I want this like OTP like romantic love or do I want to be a playboy? And like, I do see that mm-hmm. oscillation. So, well, I think I can Probably agree with you. Too. He probably yeah. watches too many. I mean, he's he's a he's yeah. an Arrow Flynn fan. Like right, like he wants the happily ever after. I want to rescue the damsel in distress. Like the entire attraction to Megan earlier in the book is like you, you know he's gonna go catch her from falling, and she's like, I can fly, dude. You know, like <laughs> like I, like I think he wants to be this storybook lover, and he exists mm-hmm. in a world where literally he knows three people in his life who aren't superheroes, right? Like so like yeah. so, so so he's never going to have that. But also, I don't think he really wants it i just think he's romantically attracted to the ideal of the story that he's 
watched and read a million times. Yeah, it was telling that our letter writer put so many things in fairy tale terms as well. But um, let's let's take things in a different direction. It is high time that we got back to answering some of the very real letters from our very real listeners. They need our expert romantic advice. So Andrew, I thought I might let you tackle this one. Would you be willing to read the second letter from our loyal listeners looking for their love connection? Dear Oh Gosh, Oh Golly, Oh Wow, the podcast. I am a 28-year-old man, and I should be writing this letter to my fiance. She is expecting to hear from me, and she deserves it. She's already waited so long and put up with so much, even since our engagement months ago. She is entirely too good for me, yet chooses to love me anyway, which is exactly why I love her. She makes me a better man, and makes me want to keep being a better man. I need to be better, for her sake. But I'm never good enough. It's not her saying that, it's me. I've always been my own worst enemy, and even with this wonderful woman shoring up my flaws, that hasn't changed. Beyond that, there are obligations bigger than both of us that threaten to tear us apart. And probably always will. She says she accepts this, and I believe she believes it, but I don't share my fiancé's sunny optimism. Another of my flaws, I'm sure. But my fiancé can also be reckless. She wasn't raised with the same sense of propriety that I was. She thinks our lives are our own, but I know they are not. There are always obligations. I've been putting off our wedding. I thought some time alone would do us both good. Perhaps I also wanted to test her and me. Years ago, she had feelings for a friend of ours. But as usual, I was worse. I drove her to it by cheating. Not to mention my drinking. My fiancé forgives me, but maybe she shouldn't. My question is, why am I avoiding this latest obligation? Why do I feel like running back to my lab or some other world when I know I should be better and will be if I finally give in to the woman of my dreams? Am I a fool to think she can fix me? Awaiting your response, sincerely, a broken heart. Man, a lot of drama there. Uh, Let's open up our phone lines again and see if we have any advice from our loyal listeners. Looks like we have Andrea on the line from Thunder Bay. Andrea, can you bolster this broken heart? It definitely sounds like you love this woman and like she loves you too. However, I do have to say that I think I agree with you. You don't deserve her. I would say the best thing to do is to go on your way and set her free. Leave her alone. She doesn't need to deal with your baggage. Oh, wise words there. I couldn't have said it better myself. Oh my goodness. But before we break all that down, looks like we have another caller. No name given for this one, but uh, let's put them on the line. This person sounds perfect for you and would make you a better person, but it seems like you're not treating them fairly or giving your end of the deal. I think you should try to try it again with them or... Maybe just leave them alone. Oh boy, looks like we have some clashing sets of advice here. So, uh, <laughs> so let's so let's open it up to the group. I mean, what do you make of this dilemma, Andrew? What what advice would you recommend to our letter writer? Uh, yeah, no, um, she's too good for you. She's always been <laughs> good for you, and it's sad that you think you have a claim to her just because of some patriarchal position of privilege, you dick. <laughs> Wow. Just throwing our so listeners with, under the bus. <laughs> well, he's he's with response listener number one, not mm-hmm. not response listener number two, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> 
Response number two was much more generous uh, yes. to, to Broken Heart here. But I couldn't help but think a little bit of Brian's situation in this comic and his relationship oh, with Megan. And yeah, like I just, I don't know. It just really reminds me of like Megan sitting on the dock waiting for him to come home and he can't pick up a phone and just call her. Mm-hmm. Like... <laughs> I don't understand. And it's almost sold to us. Like we're supposed to be invested in that. Like this is a very romantic mm-hmm. thing she's doing mm-hmm. by being so loyal to her man. And I, I want to save her. I want to uh, save her. Is, is that what he's going for? Is that what he's I going for? Know. Cause I actually thought I he was know. going for the opposite. It seems sad and pathetic and bad, right? Like that's, that's our complaint. But I actually, in this one felt like Rob was going for sad and pathetic and bad with the conversation with Pete wisdom, like okay. basically saying, okay, I'm moving on so maybe you should like i don't think i don't think rob's earned that is the problem i don't think i mean i hate to say this i don't think megan's earned that in 120 issues of this story andrew complains all the time that she doesn't grow and so she hasn't that's why that storyline feels a little weird so like i like i like i don't i don't know where we're supposed to go with it because i feel like Rob, again, as the author, I feel like the author is being critical of the character, but you know, she can't help it. She's just doing what she's been written to do, right? Yeah. Okay. So maybe just to put this into the broader um, arc that's going to resolve Excalibur, the end of Excalibur is Captain Britain and Megan getting married uh, with mm-hmm. a cover that says, You are cordially invited, beautifully illustrated by Alan Davis. Mm-hmm. This is, to me, the equivalent of someone reading Batman Mad Love and immediately turning to their mm-hmm. partner and saying, We should get Harley and Joker mad costumes relationship you know what i mean yeah yeah just 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 that that fundamental lack of understanding of what those characters were uh, Mm -hmm. and and arguably what they should be and we've talked endlessly about how we have to allow the writer space to take it in their own direction Um, but this isn't just their own direction this is antithetical do you know what i mean this was a toxic violent relationship uh that was a really insightful critique of relationships Mm -hmm. for the standards at the time And, and to have it be the thing that i'm supposed to be excited about on my way out the door of Excalibur really stings quite a bit actually yeah I mean it just there were so many I feel like telling lines in that letter that we read about you know I mean not that the two situations are exactly the same but you know those lines about like (laughs) giving in and like wanting her to fix him you know Mm -hmm. and like if that's how you're entering into something like it has to be a surrender to marriage you know you have to surrender your independence and it sounds like this person is fighting against that in some way right the same way that Brian seems to be fighting against it by he has to go off on his own and discover himself and do all of this before he can like surrender to marrying Megan and ooh that just feels like such a so many alarm bells going off about like this not being the situation you want to be in when you're approaching the idea of spending your life with somebody right mm-hmm. yeah it freaks me out like the romanticization of that just as you're saying Andrew right like I just I don't know the reason it seems to me like I'm trying to be sold on the romanticism of it is because Megan and gives Pete Wisdom romantic advice in that moment. She's like, you should lean into your emotions. You should embrace your emotions just like I'm doing by sitting on this dock every day waiting for my fiance to come home. <laughs> right. And that's why- who left me randomly and walked away and like has written me one letter <laughs> since then. And like, you don't think Rob ooh. knows that he's doing that? You don't think that's I a- don't know. 
don't not know. entirely. Yeah. I think you're right, Matt, that there's maybe some layers to it. And as I said, there's, yeah. there's a little bit of complexity and nuance to it, but I don't think he's all the way on board with that. Well, yeah. so the response that Wisdom gives to that is, yeah, well, next time I won't ask. Now, if you'll potter me, my, my ship's about to sail. Like, I, I think that this book was fair enough to Pete Wisdom up until this point, more so than, you know, the book ever is um, since, since Ellis <laughs> left, that, like, I feel like Pete is leaving going, this bird is crazy you know <laughs> to put it in pete wisdom ter- terms right like like i think he knows that megan's wrong yeah but and then it becomes think... a thing like i'm on pete's side pete is the only yes. reasonable person who understands <laughs> right. how broken it... these people are. and that's yeah and i think that's what's going i think that maybe subtly that's i i think that that's maybe the only subversion that he's gonna get right because editorially i mean okay so we're giving away issue 125 apparently because andrew just did editorially <laughs> brian and Megan have to get married, right? Like, like that's how this has to no. end. No, I'm, I'm no. not saying I'm not I'm not saying it's a good idea. I'm saying editorially, Brian and Megan are going to get married, <laughs> and I think this is this is the one chance that Ben Rob, the author, is going to be able to say this is stupid, and someone's got to acknowledge that this girl who really needs a chance to explore her life, you know, let her have a crush on another guy, you know, like she's got a crush on on Piotr. Everyone else can see it and she really should explore that especially since you know her boyfriend of convenience isn't even convenient he just left and has been gone forever so let her explore that and Pete after sleeping with space hitler yeah and pete wisdom sees that and he's just like fine bye I'm I'm out. <laughs> I wish you luck, brokenhearted. Although uh, I I feel like I'm sure. leaning more towards Andrea's advice on on this one than our more optimistic second caller. It looks like we've got time for one more letter. We've tackled some real thorny issues in our letters this week, but I'm sure this final letter is going to have a simple dilemma that will be easy to fuse into a love connection. Mav, would you like to take the lead on this one? Because why not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hey, GGW. I can't believe I'm writing this. I don't need help with romance or anything like that. But some of the people I used to talk to aren't around anymore. And if they were around, at least one of them would tell me I should probably talk to someone. So anyway, here goes. I'm between 15 and 21, and I guess you could say I'm a girl because calling myself a woman makes me feel like I'm 50. My crushes are all over the place. I went from dating Mr. Muscles to jonesing for this super nerdy guy who seemed super neat at the time. In my defense, he was super cute with a great pair of legs and a better head on his shoulders. But Mr. Muscles cheated on me, and the neat nerd wanted nothing to do with me. He said I was too young, which is stupid because I've always been very mature for my age. I've been working since forever and most of my friends are older. I also used to have feelings for a couple of friends. One was the sister of Mr. Muscles, which made things complicated. The other friend was always figuring herself out. Eventually, she moved away. I haven't seen her for a while. Not sure when I'll see her again. But then it happened. I finally found a grown-up guy who took me seriously, who never sugarcoated stuff for me or treated me like a kid. We did grown-up stuff, and I felt like he really got a part of me no one else really did. And for a while, it was fun. And then it was less fun. Like all the stuff I liked about him just up and went away. This is going to sound crazy, but it felt like we were in this story and the writer changed. And suddenly we weren't the same people anymore. We were still us, just different. And not a good different, you know? Anyway, there's this other guy now. He's younger than my boyfriend, closer to my age. My boyfriend is about 10 years older. But like I said, I'm very mature for my age. 
Nothing happened with the other guy, just feelings. But it's making the other stuff worse, and I don't know what to do. Don't tell me it's the age thing, because it's not. I'm not a kid, and don't want kid advice. I just want to know, how can you tell when it's time to move on? How can I make sure I'm not making a big mistake pulling the plug on something that used to mean something? It feels like a waste. Like, we did all that growing just to go back to square one. So that's my stuff. Say what you want. I'll hear it and maybe listen. What have I got to lose? Signed, Reluctant Romantic. Oh my goodness, the drama just keeps <laughs> upping itself in these letters. I just, I'm so happy we don't have to, we don't have to answer them all on our lonesome because we've got Steph from Pittsburgh on the line to help us out. Steph, lay it on us. Does Reluctant Romantic need to get real? First of all, I just want to say that, wow, you sound like you have a very busy, hectic life. Um, you say you've been working for forever. I couldn't really understand what your job is exactly. Um, but, um, you do have a very busy, like romantic life, <laughs> let's say in particular. Um, I know that you hate being told that you're young, but I mean, the reality is if you were at 21 at the oldest, and by the way, it's kind of strange that don't really know your exact age. I'm wondering why that is, if you had, if you were adopted or something. But anyway, um, just try to, uh, try to overlook the fact that, that, um, I'm mentioning age and just understand that it is like everyone goes through the same thing. Even, even when we're a little bit older, um, I'm quite a bit older than you. So believe me, I, I went through this kind of, um, stage that long stage that you seem to be going through here. Okay. So anyway, from what I understand, you are currently involved with, um, this guy you don't say his name um but things were going great for a while but now like something happened maybe and like you said there was a very strange thing that you said where you say you felt like the writer of your story changed and you weren't the same people anymore so that kind of thing happens maybe when people feel comfortable with each other for a long time they relax and they like show sort of their true colors and sometimes that is goes in a very bad direction um, but it sounds like it's not like anything really seriously bad but it's just that you were not doing the things that you used to do or if he wasn't he didn't act uh, it, you don't specify you give your letter is just very vague and it's hard to sort of piece things together but what i recommend is that you um you just spend some time trying to talk with your current boyfriend um find out what happened like what happened around this time where you say that it seemed like the writer of your story changed like was there something going on in his life that you're not aware of was there something going on in your life that you have to kind of reflect on and to understand why your relationship which seemed really good headed in the direction that it went um another thing that i would suggest is try to um, not focus so much. You seem to hop from sort of one relationship to the next. I would suggest you maybe like if this relationship doesn't go very well or if you break it off, you decide to break things off with your current boyfriend, then I would um, suggest maybe spending some time just alone to yourself to try to understand yourself more. Um, I know that'll be hard for you because quite honestly, you seem like a type T person who requires a lot of 
action and uh, excitement. <laughs> That's my impression. Um, I'm really curious what it is that you do that you have been able to do for a long time and you're only at maximum 21 years old. Um, but anyway, yeah, I would just say focus on yourself, girl. I know you don't like to be called woman. And I, that'll help you to understand your relationships with others better. And it'll help you to understand what you really need in a relationship. Um, and I, it's good that you are not limiting yourself to a particular age, but um, just try to look for, yeah, the deep features of people and that you need. What do you need? It sounds like one of the things that you might need is maybe someone who's who's stable, and that might be hard to find in someone who's around your age. So then it does make sense why you would go after men who are, who are um, substantially older than you. Okay, so um, I hope I... I hope uh, this helps a little bit at least, and you know, if you, I, I hope that you uh, do get to learn about yourself more because, uh, it, again, in the environment that you seem to be in, it seems to be something that is probably just difficult for you to do. All right, uh, take care of yourself. Bye bye. Wow, that was some great advice. Almost like <laughs> psychologically expert <laughs> advice. I am so grateful to that. I mean, Mav, what do you make of this dilemma? Like, uh, what would you say to our to our reluctant romantic? I, I mean, it's weird that reluctant romantic doesn't want to be called a kid because it seems to come you up know, a lot. I know. Yeah, and I, you know, I'm willing to take her at her word and say she's mature. Like she's been in a lot of relationships. She seems. Um, Steph from Pittsburgh said, you know, she seems to have um, had a lot of things with her working for. A long time and all these things but you know maybe it's okay to you know we were talking about we were talking about kurt earlier you know floating between do i have to be in a relationship maybe you don't have to be in a relationship maybe being a grown-up you know not being a kid is understanding that it's okay to you know figure yourself out and not define yourself by your boyfriends slash possible girlfriends according to the letter um of yeah. this person that we don't know yeah i i admit like i feel like there were some dot dot dots in that letter that made me mm -hmm. want to hear more you know like you say you're so happy with this guy but what about that friend that went away i mean what sure. happened there i wanted to know more about that yeah i mean i can't help but think a little bit about about our friend kitty pride thinking about some of the dilemmas in this letter i mean I don't know. I understand the editorial mandate to break up Kitty and Pete here, but like Andrew's been saying for a few episodes now, it is unfortunate that it felt like some of the growing that Kitty did do, you know, like whether you liked that as a as a story beat for her or not. Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where this leaves her, right? Because it does end up de-aging her and we're going to get that quite literally sort of as this book gets canceled. Very briefly. Because, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I just like, it, it gets me thinking about this page again and like you know the page this you said you love me page with the like one two three the five long panels and mm -hmm. kitty saying at the bottom as she's hugging lockheed i thought i did and it's a beautiful page you know we haven't had a ton of sort of well-paced beautiful pages in this issue of late i mean we've said some nice things about ruby's art but it's a very sort of extreme exaggerated style to have something sort of slow and quiet like this is a little bit unusual in this book at this point so i really love this mm -hmm. page and i think 
think I wanted to be sold on it just based on this being a really competent, really moving page. It's well done. I mean, the facial expressions are 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 well placed and evoke those emotions. But I just I don't know. Like I liked your reading of it, Andrew, with like you know the love thing meaning more to Pete than he ever let on, and that sort of comes out in the interaction with Megan as well. But I guess I mm-hmm. wish I knew a little bit more about how Kitty was feeling because her perspective has been the one that's been really absent because she was off in the Larry Hama mm-hmm. book being an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. and then we have to like bring some of that into this book but it hasn't happened on the page in this book and even in the Nightmare Dream sequence she didn't get a perspective there it was Pete reacting to her as a child mm-hmm. so right. I just that's what I mean about it not feeling earned like I just I wish I I really understood what was going through her mind and the mind of the writer because it's been a bit locked away for me I mean it's been a consistent problem throughout the Rob era I went into mm-hmm. this era wanting to be nice to Ben Rob and his writing of female characters has strongly turned me against that impulse I mean there's been a consistent push to put the toxic male characters as the protagonists of this book and close us off from the psychology of the female characters and I really don't care for it and it is something that really came across to me a lot more strongly on this read through than I noticed the first time presumably because we've been analyzing it and reading it more closely than I did the first time but yeah I don't know I mean I wanted something better for this I wanted it to be more meaningful and not something that we were just kind of sweep under the rug and write out of the history of these characters and then never bring it up in the modern era but that's comics i guess yeah we've been talking about this sort of um push towards re-acclimating um these lost x-men character back into the x-men and it does seem like we're regressing even with kurt's costume to sort of get them back to what they were when they left right and yeah that sucks because that's that's a diminishment of excalibur's legacy as a book and and the, the hardest part of that for me is to watch the erasure of all that progress happen at the end of Excalibur. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like to me, it should happen in X-Men. You want to walk all these characters back, have your opening scene in X-Men number whatever, be Kurt discovering his old costume again, and Kitty de-aging herself by eight years. Well, they That's did. That's fine. And, and but, there, is a, there is that X-Men moment where they literally call Kitty 15 and the readers revolt. Claremont might have written that. So there's an issue of X-Men where Kitty very explicitly says, I'm not even 16 yet or something like that. And then there's just a ton of letters written in it's like no we know she's older yeah. than that it, it, it's just it, it's this desire to want to just want to pretend that the last 10 years of this book just didn't happen yeah and i think my main point here though is just let excalibur end as excalibur yeah Do you know what i mean yeah. mm-hmm. i don't want it to dovetail into x-men the way it currently is that's to me feeling sort of tragic and i feel bad for rob because as we've said this is clearly editorial yeah i mean he is having to work within a lot of editorial mandates here i mean that's the that's the sympathy that i'll afford him i don't know it's like a metaphor for this entire you know reluctant romantic letter and this struggle that they're having right the struggle between (laughs) age and maturity right and Mm -hmm. right did all of the stuff that happened matter like do we want to build on that or is it better to just like i don't know like accept a new status quo and just i don't know i don't know it's a it's a tough thing to to do in in life or stories so (laughs) so where i think it matters and this is you know this is for the letter as well as the characters Mm -hmm. and it's not with kitty it's with um it's with piotr and nightcrawler where they have a conversation where kurt i think is speaking editorially 
for the X-Men line and Colossus is speaking for the Excalibur fan, which is odd, but you know, but anyway, <laughs> um, Kurt basically uh-huh. says, Oh, how come the X-Men don't care about us? We need to be there. You know, they didn't even call us when Bastion was here. And Colossus is the one who gets to say, no, the stuff we're doing here in Scotland matters. It might not be as on, on as grand a scale, but these stories matter. These, you know, things that we've accomplished here matter. And, and, Piotr tries to be the voice of, you know, it is odd because you'd think it would be the other way because most of the Excalibur run, Kurt was here and Peter wasn't, right? So you'd think that Peter would be representing the X-Men. But I get the scene, and this is another place where I feel like, where I feel like Rob, the author, is kind of showing his opinions on how he feels about his oh, book yeah. being canceled out I from think, like, <laughs> Colossus has been his writer surrogate for a while. So, like, yeah. the fact that he gets that moment, I think is out of character for him in some ways to be that that mm-hmm. emotionally aware. But it's Rob speaking through him. Seems yeah, clear to it's him just saying, I don't want this. I do not want this. Mm-hmm you're they're making me do it is kind of it screams that but i do i do i don't want to lose the thread of what you were saying about kitty and his i mean inability or reluct or reluctance or refusal i don't know why because the interesting part of the story here and i've said this the last couple times i want to see kitty reckon with the fact that she has placed pete wisdom in the same position that pete rescued and placed her in and yes i understand that and i mean you could you could quibble and argue that Piotr actually slept with someone else, or at least it's heavily implied that he did. Like, Code Era comic, we don't know what he did with Zaji. He at least fell in love with her, and he explicitly sort of says that. But he breaks up with Kitty for much the same reason that Kitty is breaking up with Pete Wisdom here. And if this book were going to go on for longer and have a future that wasn't sending us back to the X-Men now, where she can forget that any of this time ever happened, I would want to see her reckon with that, especially since Piotr is still there, and the Piotr that Ben mm-hmm. Rob writes is not the guy who's going to throw that in her face. Th- mm-hmm. This version of Colossus is going to be understanding and say, I'm there for you, Katya, and then let Kitty decide for herself that oh my god, I'm doing the exact same thing that he did to me. I'm awful, I'm awful, I'm awful. And I want her to reckon with, it's not that you're awful, it's that sometimes when you're 19, 20 years old, which is how old Colossus was when they broke up. Sometimes when you're 19, 20 years old, you have complicated feelings about relationships and like, who do you love? And you're trying to figure yourself out. And she's not in a place to understand that, however emotionally mature she might be compared to her age. But, but we never get that story. That story doesn't I do, exist. <laughs> I know. I do, in theory, like kind of the inversion of maturity, where like in a lot of ways, Kitty is the more mature one in terms of this breakup scene. And I feel like that could have worked with like the narrative in terms of, you know, she did, you know, grow and change and she is older now and everything. I mean, you know, artificially older by Warren Ellis or whatever. Like, I mean, we've gone through that all already, but mm-hmm. I liked that grain of it. But again, it's just, it's just hard because Pete's going to disappear. We're not going to relitigate this. All we're going to get is this parting glance right Right. i do really love that in the breakup how much she's just essentially hugging her cat you know know. like that is that is (laughs) i mean it's like lockheed being there for her and her just like grasping on to to lockheed as the constant that she has is so perfect for you know the way their relationship is and that it is the one time where lockheed is most a pet and not a real friend because a real friend would be complicated whereas this is the you know my dog my cat my dragon this is the only the only being that i will ever be able to totally depend depend on 
on for unconditional love is my pet dragon and that emotion comes through in i know again i love the page the page itself Mm -hmm. i love it's well drawn i i love the image of of kitty of kitty hugging lockheed throughout that page i think i'm just gonna end on one final letter which is a letter from the sword strokes letters page alluding to future events um this is from colin smith who writes dear sword strokes the other day i read a rather disconcerting rumor on the internet i read i read that i read that excalibur is going to be gulp cancelled please say it ain't so how can this happen the legions of kitty fans will surely slay you what about brian and megan what about doug Locke's hidden knowledge of the legacy virus what about moira's quarantine can all this be brought to a head by the swiftly approaching deadline of issue number 125 i read that nightcrawler colossus and Shadowcat will all show up elsewhere but what if pete rain doug moira brian megan and rory someone remembered about rory are they to fall <laughs> into limbo like two of my other favorites u.s agent and spider woman i don't understand what is happening to the <laughs> X-Books, Excalibur being cancelled, X-Factor turning into The Adventures of Shard. Just please, please, please promise me you won't forget about the non-Big 3 members of Excalibur. And oof, that was... Comparing them to U.S. Agent and Spider-Woman was a little bit prophetic there. I was wondering, did Ben Robb or, or Frank Pitteris, uh write U.S. Yeah. Agent or Spider-Woman? Because I don't know if that sounded like a real letter so much. Maybe it was. Who, who's to know? Anyway, we have it confirmed that um, our editorial team does know, and our writer, our creative team, does know that the book is going to be ending. A couple of letters address it here, and the editorial response confirms it. But that's where I wanted to leave things. Are there any final thoughts from the group about anything we didn't talk about in this issue? I know we didn't talk about the the Rain and Douglock and Moira plot at all. It didn't fit within the um, premise of us answering the letters, so I didn't talk about it then. Kurt was just a dick to marrow yeah fuck my nose you too. dude like 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 when hi are the real x-men there are you <laughs> yeah. kidding because guess what you're not you're not an original x-man i mean like oh my god that was uncalled for i was just like like you like he actually and it's, it's not like he doesn't know it's not like he just says it he picks up the phone he says marrow i don't know who you are you must be one of the new people so you don't count put the real x-men on screw you i would have destroyed the phone too <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to end on a positive note to say that Kurt's antagonistic relationship with Marrow will be continued in the pages yes, of I know. comments <laughs> in the years right. to come, which I yes, do like yes, that absolutely. that becomes a through line that other writers pick up on, that they have this relationship. So the origin I, point. that grain of it, I do like. Speaking of continuity. Staying. There's a meeting of the round table. No, I can't. Anyway, we will wrap things up there, other than to say thank you to our very real listeners for bearing their souls to seek our romantic advice, and thank you to all our generous callers, of course. I do hope we've helped mend some broken hearts today. This has always been a socially conscious podcast, and what better way to give back than spreading a little love, or as the case may be, celebrating people's breakups, but only if they're fictional and only if they deserve it. Next week, we will be heading to Israel to hang out with Sabra in Excalibur number one. 121 we will have 
a great conversation about that, I'm sure. If you liked what you heard, please follow us, like, and review the podcast wherever you're listening to it or watching it. Don't forget to check out our fabulous YouTube videos, which we've done for many of our earlier episodes, plus our holiday specials. We may or may not do one this year. We'll see which you can find via our website or the Vox Popcast YouTube channel. As always, if you want to chat with us about Excalibur, you could reach out via our website, goshgollywow.com, where we've got some fun extras, and via X slash Twitter and Blue Sky at goshgollywow, where we post daily pages from whatever issue we're reading that week, and more fun extras. And if you want, try calling that number. Let us know where it goes. Thank you, Mav and Andrew, for opening your hearts to this gimmick. Thank you all for listening, and a special thanks to Maximilian of Thought for Music for our truly epic theme song. Play us out. Oh my god, I wonder where it goes. <laughs> Don't know. Might not go anywhere. We'll find out. Might go no, to I mean... that temporal paradox that is this episode. <laughs> <laughs>